Okay, if you are uh, with us and you have a Bible, I would encourage you to open it to Philippians 3. We're going to be reading verses 10 through 21. And if you don't have a Bible, please go get one. I said this last week during our podcast, just that uh, traditionally I give these messages on a Wednesday night at a large group setting at our student ministry uh, large group event called Wednesday Connect. And I have a PowerPoint with my outline and pictures and different things. But since we are now, because of the quarantine and the coronavirus and social distancing, we are only doing, uh, I'm loading these talks online, so you'll have no ability to see my PowerPoints. I would encourage you to have a Bible with you so that you can read along with me and then we can walk through the text as I teach through it so you have a reference of what we're doing. Uh, So please go do that. And uh, as you're going to go do that and find where Philippians 3 is, just uh, real quick, the topic for uh, this text is a perseverant joy or a joy that perseveres. And I think that there is... uh, This is a great message at any season, at any time of life, but particularly when we find ourselves in the midst of where we are today in the world of social distancing as students, like I mentioned last week, the world of a lot of things that you expected to be there this year, like graduations or proms or plays that you are are in, sports, etc., those things aren't um, aren't taking place, right? We um, we often uh, wonder at these times: uh, is uh, is the things that we love, the things that we enjoy, uh, if they're not there forever, if they can be taken from us this easily through things like a global virus, then then can we have joy? And what we see through Philippians, all of Philippians, but particularly in our passage today, Philippians 3, 10 through 21, is that yes, we can have a joy that perseveres, a joy that is beyond circumstance, a joy that is beyond the limitations of our uh, earthly sojourn, if you're familiar with that language, is our journey as we walk uh, with Jesus, as we follow Jesus in this life, uh, looking forward to uh, the day when we meet him face to face in heaven, uh, we can have a perseverant joy, a joy that perseveres, that is beyond our circumstance, that is above um, above um, our losses. So let's, uh, let's read this together. In light of that, I'm going to start at verse 10 of Philippians 3, and I'll begin right now. So that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anyone, if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Brothers. 
join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is their destruction and their goal is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank you for a joy that is in you, the joy of you, that is a perseverant joy, that perseveres through trouble, that perseveres through hardship, that perseveres through um, unmet expectations that we can experience today, but we also look forward to in its fulfillment tomorrow. Help us, as we learn to navigate these times, how to navigate life with the with the reality in mind that your joy, the joy of knowing you, of having you, of being seen by you, of being loved by you, of being saved to you is beyond anything that this earth can give us. And the joys that we do experience that are from you as every gift, perfect good and perfect gift is from above, like it says in James, the good gifts that we do get from you are to point us to the beauty of you, the gift giver, and the joy that we have in you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Well, uh, I um, I have spent a lot of time uh, since the coronavirus uh, pandemic broke out. Just I find myself on news sites more than usual, just to see what is going on in the world and what people are experiencing and. And maybe perhaps what I can think that what I could be possibly experiencing as um, as time goes on. But I, I found an article this this week from the New York Times that said grieving the losses of coronavirus. That was really, 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 really helpful and really, really good that I wanted to share with you. And in this article by Lori, I think her last name was pronounced Gottlieb. Um, she talks about how we all are experiencing losses. Um, some of us uh, may experience loss of loved ones, right? There, there have been a lot of people who have passed away in other countries um, uh, who, have, who have got the virus. That's really scary to think about. Um, and some of us may just experience little losses and have little griefs as this uh, time continues. And I'll read to you what, uh, in light of that, what she, what she says. And she says this, when it comes to the coronavirus outbreak, what's the word related to mental health that you hear most. If you said anxiety, you're not alone. But if you were to sit, virtually of course, in a therapist's office like mine or any of my colleagues, you might often hear, just as often as you hear the word anxiety, you may often hear the word loss. This may seem obvious because many people are experiencing tremendous loss as a result of this global pandemic. Loss of life, loss of loved ones, loss of health, loss of jobs and income. For those who are losing loved ones at this time, there is also um, uh, the loss of the normal rituals of funerals and communities gathering to grieve together. 
But what might be less obvious are the smaller losses that also affect our emotional health. Right now, in addition to the tragic losses of life and health and jobs, are the losses experienced by people of all ages. Missed graduations and proms, canceled sports seasons and performances, postponed weddings and vacations, separation from family and friends that we need the most and when we need the most. We have also lost the the predictability that we take for granted in daily life. That there will be eggs and toilet paper on supermarket shelves. That we can safely touch doorknobs with our bare hands. And that we can get a haircut and our teeth cleaned. Or spend a Saturday afternoon at the movies. So yes, there is a collective anxiety surrounding this virus. And its effects on society as a whole. But there is also a collective loss. A collective loss. I I just... just, um, I was really drawn to that language that this author used, that we are experiencing together a collective loss that can unite us in our grief, um, but that can also make us ask questions about life, its purpose, its meaning, um, what we could experience in the future and how we will be experienced in the future. And um, there are many, many earthly joys that we have experienced and taken for granted and loved and no matter how great they are uh, they've begun to fade a little bit and it is it is it is tossing us and it's turning us and it's making us wonder what is happening will things get better will i love and enjoy the things that i once loved and enjoy will i be able to get back to life as normal will things ever get better and you know the god god is a, is a god who is good um, over and over again in the scriptures, you read about the goodness of God. And not only that God is good, but that is God is good to us personally. And as a good God, just like a good father, he gives his children good gifts. He gives us uh, talents that we express through athleticism and the arts. He gives us resources that we can have and use to um, uh, to create foods that we love to enjoy and and. Um, experiences that we love to experience. God is a giver of all good things and of all good gifts. And at times like this, we experience the withdrawal or the loss of these good things. We, like I said, we can often wonder what will happen and will things get better. And oftentimes, uh, we can either respond in these things as two ways. Either we can have tremendous shame, like why did I even look to this thing to bring me that much joy and why is my joy not ultimately in God? Or it could bring us tremendous grief. And I think that the correct response often to, the, to loss is grief. In that God is the giver of good gifts. And he gives us these good gifts to enjoy during our earthly journey. To point us to the ultimate joy that we have in him as our gift giver. And we need to be reminded time and time again that true joy does not come from the circumstantial joy that we receive through the good gifts that He gives us as His good Father. But these good gifts that He gives us are to help us and to point us to the ultimate joy that we have in Him that will never rust, that will never fade, that will never be lost. In this life, everything that we have will be lost. Right? And, and, and for some of us, we, we have lost some things recently. And we may get them back one day. But eventually, we will lose all things. And all the things that we once had, their purpose 
was to point us to the greater joy of who God is and what he has done for us and who he invites us to be that is all over the book of Philippians that is that is that Paul soaks himself in that he experiences as somebody who has lost his reputation who has lost his 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 um, ability to to minister effectively to people because he's imprisoned he's probably lost um, health as he's getting older and and he is stuck in prison with nothing but God himself and that's why he can write about the joy and the power of knowing God that we read in Philippians 10 through 21 and I guess what I'm trying to tell you is this if you, if you need a summary statement is that in Jesus in Jesus we have a steady consistent joy in the midst of the inconsistencies of life in Jesus we have a steady consistency in our inconsistency because Jesus will never fade his love for us will never relent he always is with us and because of this we can have confidence that there is a joy that equips us to persevere through hardships that persevere through suffering to persevere through loss no matter how small or how great this loss is because all the good things that we have are to point us to the goodness of God who is the giver of those gifts. Right? Because, and this is what we see in our verse, Philippians 3. If you want to know what the big idea of Philippians 3, 10 through 21 is, is that we have a joy that can last. A joy that can last. And because we have a joy that can last, we can embrace the joy that is, and we can look forward to the joy that will be. This passage communicates a lot of things. It communicates a lot of truths about who God is and what Jesus has done. But if you look at verses 10 through 16, what it tells us is that we can have a joy that lasts and that we can enjoy this, we can embrace this joy and enjoy it today. And we can enjoy it in our imperfection, in our incomprehension of it. Verses 10 through 12 says this, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. You know, Paul uh, knew something about who Jesus was and, and what the gospel was. And he knew that his right standing, his righteousness, his power, his, his ability to stand before God didn't rest in his, in his moral ability and what he knew about God or others. It rested completely in Jesus Christ in that just as Jesus rose from the dead, so Jesus promises that we will once raise from the dead and that by any means possible, he will attain this resurrection from the dead, as it says in verse 11, because of what Jesus has done for him and not what he has done for Jesus. In verse 12, it says this, not that I have, all, have already obtained this or am already perfect, right? He knows that he is an imperfect man with imperfections. He has limitations. He has moral inconsistencies still because he is still a fallen man in a fallen world. And his confidence, his joy is not in his ability to perform, but it's in his ability to trust in the one who performs on his behalf, who is Jesus. And that's why he can have a true perseverant joy in his imperfection. And that's true for us as well. Just as Paul stands before God and has a joy that he can trust, he knows that it's a joy, even though he is an imperfect man, that he can have this joy because his joy is not consistent and dependent upon his performance, 
but it's consistent and dependent upon who Jesus is and what he has done for him. And then as we keep reading in verses 13 through 16, we see that Paul can embrace the joy that is now, not just in his own imperfection, but also, too, in his inability to fully comprehend the joy that is. And what do I mean by that? I mean this. So I remember a lot of times, um, a lot of people have, when I talk to people who may not believe in Jesus or who may be investigating Christianity and its claims and um, of who Jesus is and what he has done, a lot of times you see one of the biggest barriers that people have is that their inability to understand Christianity in its fullness. That at, at every level, at because we are finite beings and God is an infinite creator, uh, because he is the infinite and we are the finite, we can never fully comprehend who God is, his will, his plan, etc. Although we can have assurance of who God is because of his word, right? Of, of what it means to know him and what it means to be saved and how one experiences salvation. We can never in our in fullness fully comprehend who God is in our earthly bodies. And that's why we spend eternity with God, knowing Him and getting to know Him, because God is eternal. So, 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 what am I trying to tell you? It's this: that in this in this life, our joy of God is will never be fully comprehended. But that doesn't mean that we can't experience the joy of God. It means that we can still experience the joy of of what will be, because of the joy that is. And that's what we see in verses verses um, thirteen through sixteen. Because Paul says this, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Right? He he understands his limitation. He understands that he he cannot fully comprehend the joy of God in his earthly body that has limitations. He can't fully understand it. But he says, but the one thing I do is forgetting what lies behind and straightening forward to what lies ahead. He knows that there is something beyond this life, a, a fullness of joy, a joy that that is that he can attain today, as it says in verse sixteen. Let us hold true to what we have obtained. He knows that there is a fullness, there is an already and not yet, that there is a joy, the glory of meeting God face to face, the, the fullness of joy that we will experience that informs who he is and the joy that he experiences today. This reminded me of when I first had children. Um, you know, when uh, my wife was pregnant with our first Owen, I knew that he is he was going to be born in June, uh, or I, at least had the, um, that's what the doctors told us. And I knew that it was, uh, you know, it wasn't June yet. So I knew that, that there was this day that would come when I would meet my son for the first time. And there would be this, this beautiful joy that I would experience when I was able to hold him for the first time and, and give him a kiss on his forehead and, 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 and receive the thing that I had been anticipating but it doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy my son before I got to meet him for the first time face to face. The whole for the whole nine months, I was anticipating the joy of meeting my son face to face, and therefore I enjoyed him in the present, even though I didn't have the fullness of his presence with me, right? And that's a somewhat of an illustration of what I'm what I'm trying what I believe this text is telling us is that there is a joy that will be when we get to meet God face to face. But it doesn't mean that we can't have joy today. The joy of knowing God and anticipating God and experiencing God. And that today, even though there is a joy that is beyond the now, that is incomprehensible, there will be a joy uh, because of that. There is a joy that we can hold true to today um, in light of, even though we can't fully comprehend it. 
And then as we uh, continue, we see that, um, you know, uh, that there's a joy that perseveres, a perseverant joy, a joy that is beyond, that we can have, that lasts. Um, as we read, it's a joy, a joy that, that lasts, that we can enjoy now, but also a joy, uh, like I've saying, that, that will be. And that's what we read, read about in verses 7 through 21. It says, uh, uh, 17 through 21, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. And then in verses 18 and 19, uh, Paul talks about those who have, um, uh, I guess you could say that they um, revoked their confession, that they um, said they gave up on their on their pursuit of the joy of Jesus, and they now walk as enemies of Christ. And, and, and what we see here is that in order for us to, in order for us to, experience the joy of knowing God today. We need other people with us to experience that joy and to remind us of that joy. And that's what he's saying, brother, join in imitating me, right? Join me. That that the joy of of looking to the joy that is and 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 we need people in our lives to remind us to persevere, to press on, to say, hey, we're gonna meet God face to face one day. The joy that you long for will happen. Imitate me, walk with me. See how I embrace this joy today that will be tomorrow. And remember that it is ours to have, to keep, to hold. And there will be many who um, in our journey will, 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 will look to their left and look to their right. And their eyes will come off of, uh, of the joy of Jesus. And, um, and Paul is saying here, don't be like them. right? Don't look to your left. Don't look to your right. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the Lord. And, and, and look with others who are looking with you. And imitate them and see them and walk with them. Because it is hard to persevere. And we cannot persevere on our own. But we need people with us who are for us. Who enjoy God like we enjoy God. Who walk with us. And then secondly, as we continue, uh, we see as the passage closes... We can look forward to a joy that will be with one another, but also as as citizens of heaven, right? One of the greatest uh, incomprehensible joys about who we are in light of what God has done for us is that our citizenship is in heaven. I've said this before, but at my grandmother's funeral, the pastor who did it talked about how uh, for us to describe uh, as earthly people with our earthly limitations, for us to describe heaven and for us to describe um, um, the kingdom of God is like um, is like a blind man trying to describe the color blue, right? We can try our best, uh, but we'll never fully understand it and fully get it. And and that's what it means to be a citizen of heaven. It's a, it's a joyful anticipation that our citizenship is not in 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 earth, even though our heavenly citizenship citizenships inform how we live in our earthly journeys. Ultimately, our citizenship is with God in heaven as He will bring about the new heavens and the new earth. And because of that, it informs how we live today and what we hold dear and what we find our joy in and what we, we long for. And that there is a joy, there is a place beyond this place that God has made for us, a room beyond our rooms that God has for us where He waits for us. And, and the hard part is waiting for Him. It is. And that's why Paul talks about the power of waiting doesn't come in our own effort, but it comes in beholding the work of God, the character of God, and resting in the promises that He'll never leave us or forsake us, that He will always be with us. 
in the reality that we can wait on Him because not only that He is worth waiting for, but by His Spirit, He equips us in our waiting. I'll close with this um, illustration. I, I, uh, I used to love, and I still do, a movie uh, that's probably pretty old now, but it was called Castaway by Tom, and it, it starred Tom Hanks. And he was a FedEx like pilot or something, or something like that. He was a pilot. And he, um, he, uh, his plane crash landed in the water, in the ocean somewhere. And he was, he washed up and his crew had all, all died in the plane wreck. And he had lived, he had survived, and he'd spent the next number of years on this deserted island uh, surviving. And it was, um, you know, he tries to figure out how to, how to fish on his own, how to build structures on his own, how to create fire, how to pull out his own teeth when they go bad. It's... It's a it's a it's a pretty fascinating movie in in that form uh, just to see what it would be like to survive on a on an island by yourself, but but one of the things that kept him going while he was um, on this deserted island was the hope that he would see his wife one day, and he had a little picture that he kept with her and um, and um, and the tragedy of the movie is is this is that he um, and I ruin it for you so if you want to go watch it sorry. But he gets off the island, he builds a boat, and he finds his way out. Then he's, he's, he's discovered and rescued. And he goes back to, um, and there's this big story on him, you know, because this guy's back from the dead, basically. And he, um, he uh, his, his uh, you know, his, um, they thought he was dead. They found, I think they, they found his, his plane, and they just assumed that he had, had died with his plane. But the tragedy of the story is that he comes back to his wife, and his wife has started another family. And this, this, this thing that kept him going was not there when he, when he, when he got off the island. Right? He was, had the picture of his wife that he looked at every day, and he was like, I'm, I'm going to get out of here for her. And then when, she, when he shows up, and she's married and has a family of her own. And that's the tragedy of Castaway. And, and, and what you learn from that is that, is that, and how it relates to our, our passage, is that true love really does wait. It waits. And, and there's two things that we learned. First from Tom Cruise, and is that because true love waits, right, is that as we, we navigate life on this deserted island of our earthly sojourn, right, so to speak, is that when we go and we meet and we exit this land and we meet God as citizens of heaven face to face, he's not going to forget about us. He's not going to dismiss us. He's not going to say that we were dead and he's not going to go find another another you, right? He's not going to be like Tom Hanks' wife in the story, right? The thing that we anticipate, the thing that keeps us going, the joy of being with Jesus, the joy of meeting God face to face, that will happen. He will not leave us and he will not forsake us. On the other hand, a lot of us can be like Tom Hanks' wife, in the movie, who gets tired of waiting. And it's not like she's some evil woman who, you know, went against her husband. It's like, you know, she she grieved the loss that, that her husband had died in a plane wreck. And she began to rebuild her life. And for many of us, it's it's hard to wait, right? It's hard to wait for the reality that Jesus is coming for us, that he will return, that he will be back, that we will meet him face to face. And for many of us, we want to start our own families, so to speak, we want to go find our other other lesser joys to give ourselves to. We want to go and and try to find something that makes sense of this life because we get because waiting is really really hard, and waiting can do really really funny things. And that's why we need other people to wait with. That's why we need other people in our lives 
whose model, whose example that we can follow, and who we can discern from. Who are the? What does it mean to walk with Jesus and look and not be like Tom Hanks's wife and castaway and and give up because true love truly does wait. So, is there a joy that lasts? Is there a joy that keeps? Is there a joy that holds? Is there a joy worth waiting for? Yes. And that joy is the joy of knowing Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. And because of joy, right? That's what it says there. Because of the joy that was set before him, right? Endured the cross, right? Because of joy, Jesus endured the cross. He endured the shame. He endured the hardship. Joy. And as those who follow Jesus, we also have that same power to face and endure our crosses, to pick up our cross and follow him. Because we have that joy that Jesus had, the joy of knowing Jesus, and because of that we can endure. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus and um, the joy that we have in Jesus. And Father, may we wait for, for true love. May we wait for Jesus. Equip us to wait. Give us people to wait with. And as we are... Um, walking down this earthly journey, uh, wondering perhaps, is there a joy that we can have that is forever? Remind us that yes, there is. And that joy is the joy of being known and seen and loved and cherished by the God of heaven and earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.